Alrighty, people, welcome back to episode 30 of Primal Alchemy's Red Pill Initiation Hour. Here with your host, Chris Story. So for all the returning listeners, guys, you know just by now, there's a little bit of shit that we got to cover before we can kick today's episode off. The first, as always, is a massive thank you to everyone that gives me their continuous love and support. Love and support through the feedback that you're dropping me on Instagram at Prime Welcome UK. And it really seems like uh, my pleas to you guys is starting to take effect as I've been getting some pretty positive reviews on iTunes now. And if you're brand new to this, uh, if you could drop me a review on iTunes after this, it would really mean the world to me. iTunes is the platform that allows me to expand and increase my exposure and visibility of the podcast throughout all of the podcast dictionaries. And yeah, would just mean the world to me, guys. And through doing that, I always give you my own personal thanks, which is an exclusive 10% discount code. That's the code REDPILL. That's the code REDPILL, that when used at checkout, you're getting an exclusive 10% discount with anything in your shopping basket at primalchemy.co.uk. Also, guys, a little treat for you. I've got another discount code for you. So my brother Josh at APE Nutrition is in the process of launching a fucking sick ketogenic protein bar. Now, for everyone in the US, this may not sound too revolutionary for you. You might be like, Chris, we've got this shit everywhere. Whole Foods. I was a stack of them. Well, guys, in the UK, there's nothing like that. And what Josh has created is the UK's first organic ketogenic protein bar. And yeah, I've had the pleasure to uh, try it on multiple occasions. It didn't last long in my mouth. So my uh, my opinion might be a little bit skewed on this because it got smashed within a few seconds. But yeah, it's delicious. So guys, if you head over to apenutrition.co.uk and you use the code word primal ape primal ape you'll get 10 percent off anything within your shopping basket so guys give it a go show josh some love just as much as you've been showing me some love in the previous podcasts all right so moving on guys uh today's episode is with mr ricky warren ricky is a london-based calisthenics coach he is the creator of Bodyweight Gurus, which is a calisthenics community within London. Uh, Ricky is an interesting character. He is very similar to me in that he understands the connection of mind, body, and spirit, and he integrates a lot of the spiritual practices from his roots, uh, from his Vedic roots, into his training, into his philosophy of life. He is almost like a, yeah, like a muscled up philosopher, which is, uh, they don't come around often. So I reached out to him to get him on and we had a good chat. And I'll tell you straight up, guys, when I was recording it with Ricky, the connection was really bad. So his voice was coming through broken so I was try I was trying my best to hear what Ricky had to say and piece it together in my mind in real time in order to be able to respond to him. So 
if the conversation, which it doesn't because, again, it's kind of a tangent, I really should have said this, but if the conversation, if my response to him through listening to this sounds a bit off, like I missed his point, it's because I was trying to do my best. But luckily, I listened to this podcast over, and the uh, Ricky's voice actually comes out fine. There's no distortions, there's no overlaps, so we're good to go on this one. Uh, yeah, I normally give you a breakdown of the topics we cover in the discussion, but fuck, we're already four minutes into this introduction, and I know most of you don't listen to it anyway, so hey-o, let's just jump on board. Let's kick off episode 30. So Morpheus, show these fools what's up. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. As above... So below what lies without resides within time for growth to begin mental physical and spiritual we find balance with all three as we focus on totality the whole not the half this is for those on a spiritual path looking for the clues to the answers of life but the truth ain't always nice so leave your ego at the door let your inner lion roar and your spirit soar as we go deep down to the molecular level tap into the body with some yogic breath throw in some calisthenics for a true strength test like the shamans of old we use the nature to heal with a little bit of dmt to reveal this whole life journey is a little surreal and your mind needs a leader not a follower in life let your mind be the master and you pay a hefty price this next 60 minutes is about self mastery it's not an easy path and it's a lifelong journey but we up to empower with this red pill initiation hour with this red pill initiation hour brought to you by Prima Opami The Matrix is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth three two one oh shit we're live back with episode 30 of the red pill initiation hour guys episode 30 this is starting to tally up the episodes very quick and yeah as per always guys you are in for a treat today real solid guest real solid individual real full spectrum individual at that and uh someone who you only have to have a brief encounter with be it online or wherever it be physical or non-physical and you know he knows his shit straight up and yeah i've been following him for a while very inspirational within the world of calisthenics and just in the health and fitness industry itself so yeah let's uh let's just jump straight into it today's guest is the calisthenics sensei and strength wizard himself mr ricky warren ricky thanks for coming on buddy yeah you're welcome man thanks for having me on appreciate it yeah, no problem, brother. I was saying that it's uh you are someone that I've looking up I've been yeah, looking up to for a while. Like I I have a pretty good eye. I've been in the health and fitness industry for a long time and I know who's bullshitting and who's not and you're you're solid, bro. Like you you know your shit and yeah, I'm so so impressed with the content you bring out on uh, on your Instagram channel, which is where I follow you most. And you've got a wealth of experience, a wealth of different qualifications. And yeah, I'd love to just be able to uh, have you break down a little bit about your past, about who you are, 
who like how did you become the Ricky Warren of today and yeah just share your journey with us a little bit uh yeah sure I mean uh uh well let's start from well I went when I went to university 18 years old uh I actually wanted to do something like graphic design always been a good, kind of creative kind of person and uh my mom was kind of like you should do something that uh will give you a solid foundation in in something that you could always get a job from because she was kind of more sensible than me. <laughs> so, so we spoke about stuff and I was like, I don't really know what to do, but I, I like animals. I like humans. I like the world. I want to know more about how stuff works. I've always been quite inquisitive. And uh, so she, she said, why don't you look at something like biology? So I said, yeah, that looks good. So I looked at that and I decided to do that. And um, actually I used to mess around in college quite a lot. I didn't really pay too much attention. I got predicted um, ABB and I ended up with BDE uh, because I just didn't uh, pay enough attention to my studies. But somehow uh, some some guy that took pity on me let me into the university, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I got my biology degree underway. And in biology, you learn a hell of a lot of shit, man. Like you learn like about human biology, about cells and genetics, about the musculoskeletal neural system, everything. And you also learn about plant life and biodiversity, about animals, ecology, populations, uh, about animal and uh, about evolution. You get a full on perspective of pretty much how the world works and how it interacts with itself and, you know, this kind of stuff. And that kind of just blew my mind. You know, the kind of things they teach you are crazy, like, uh, you know, like bees. They communicate to each other by doing little dances. When they get back to the hive, they can indicate the area in which flowers that are rich in nectar are by doing a little dance. And this dance that they do, they do it in certain geometry and angles. And the angles and the length of the dance and all of this basically uh, translates into the exact location uh, in relation to the sun and the hive of the flowers. And uh, when you learn this kind of stuff, you think, wow there's a lot more depth to stuff than I thought there was, you know? And uh, it just kind of set my, my curiosity on fire about the world. And then uh, after uni, I was like, okay, what am I going to do? And I was like, I don't really fancy being an academic working in a lab. So it felt a bit boring to me. I was like, had these dreams of grandeur. I wanted to wear a suit, make some money, you know, have a nice car and all this stuff. Probably a bit materialistic as well at that point. So uh, I went into marketing and I did marketing for about eight years. And uh, I'm the type of person that will will study and work really hard and perfect my craft no matter what it is. And uh, within a few years, I was a marketing manager. Within a few years, I was a head of marketing. The last job I had, I was a marketing director. I had seven people uh, reporting directly to me, earning a lot of money, you know, uh, managing budgets in the millions and bringing millions in for the company. But this, this, all of this stuff, it felt a bit empty to me. You know, I was waking up every day thinking I'm good at uh, convincing people to buy stuff with marketing. I'm good at getting stuff high on search engines. I can do all this stuff, but I don't feel like I'm doing anything of value to, for the world. And on top of that, you know, all of this, this sort of cycle that I'm in is about um, getting higher on the ladder, making more money and, benefiting myself so essentially uh on the side to that i've always been training since i was uh, seven years old 
um, in martial arts and uh, started doing strength and conditioning when I was like 15, 16, bit of weights and stuff. And I've done uh, probably about eight, nine different martial arts. I'm a brown belt in Wing Chun Kung Fu, done wrestling for a few years, boxing for around 15 years now, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I just decided to start teaching that on the side to work because I loved it so much. So I got a uh, qualification as a, a group exercise instructor in something like 2006, I believe. And then I started teaching classes after work. And I did that for a good three or four years. People would ask me to do personal training, but I didn't really know how to structure a session or anything like that. So I wouldn't really do it. I didn't have the time. And then um, after a little while, let's say I got to about um, 26 with my last marketing job. And uh, I started to do consulting as well because I was good at it. So I was making even more money on the side. And then I just thought, you know what? I'm going to try and do what I love uh, by teaching what I love, by what I've been doing since I was young. And then I can do a bit of consulting on the side to keep making the kind of money I'm used to. Then eventually I just got rid of that and just kept, uh, started doing the teaching full time. And, uh, you know, I started to realize more and more depth in what I was doing because, you know, I live it. I wake up every morning, I do my yoga, I eat a good breakfast, I do my own training every single day. Uh, I go to teach my clients and then I come home and I think more about exercise. It's like, it's just on my brain. It's like always thinking about movement, anatomy, about how things match up. It just fascinates me. And there's, there's so much depth to the human body, its ability, even the, the mental state of the body and, and what, what the mind can do for the body. Um, and at about 25, when I was going through this whole, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I want to change from marketing. I also went really deep into my spiritual journey. I always, I never sort of knew what I believed in, but I always used to read all of the different religious texts. And I used to love philosophy, even as, even from 12 years old, I used to read quotes and, you know, read books on um, just different points of view and perspectives about how the world works. And then, you know, eventually you just keep studying this stuff. It all starts to come together. There's an invisible thread that joins everything together. I mean, the whole world is is hanging on this thread like pearls. That's a sort of, to paraphrase the Bhagavad Gita, but essentially, you know, everything, you know, you can go really sort of hippie and out there. What was that, uh, what was that pearl one that you just said then? Sorry, Ricky, you cut out a little bit. Was that Indra's web? From, you the, were from the Bhagavad Gita, there's a quote where Krishna said, uh, uh, what does he say? Uh, everything hangs on me like pearls on a thread. He's basically saying there's an invisible string that connects everything together. Uh, you are me and I am you. Yeah, there's and no all pearls reflect. Know? Yeah, all the pearls reflect each other yeah, off. It's, it's Indra's web, right? That's, it's that's all a mirror. You know, your skin is falling off. You're breathing air. You're drinking water and peeing it back out. You're eating and it becomes a human and it falls back off you. You're inseparable to your environment. If I take you out of your environment, you cease to exist. So you have to be part of it. And to to paraphrase or quote someone else, Sadhguru, big inspiration of mine, he says, when you were born, you didn't have this body you have now. You accumulated this by eating and growing. And all the things you have in the world, you accumulated these things. But he says, what you accumulate cannot be you. Right? That struck me. What you accumulate cannot be you. You are simply the essence of what you are. And that's nothing to do with your body or anything else because these things were given to you when you were born. They were all given to you. And so you can't 
take anything with you. You can't own anything. You can't even be anything really because it's all been given to you or you took it from here. So what you are is just the infinite consciousness and you're a part of it. And we are lucky enough to be experiencing it in this dimension, in this way, as a human being with a consciousness and some free will and some understanding. But when you start to see through these lines that we draw between each other, you know, my bag of skin, your bag of skin, this country has a, te- has a border here. There's no borders. It's earth, you know? And um, I think when I combine that with my love for physicality, like this whole thing, you know, well, going to sort of Instagram and social and that kind of uh, the pressure on people and what happens to people when they pay too much attention to social media and that stuff later. But essentially my mom told me I was uh, walking at seven months and I was running at 11 months old. So I think there was something in me that just wanted to get up and move. I was very just into that stuff and it's carried through all the way. And at some point in my life, I just stopped doing everything I thought I should do. And I listened to what my my very essence was telling me I was born to do. And I followed it all the way through and, you know, got to the point where I qualified myself in a lot of things. I now certificate trainers in the very things that I do and inspire people in. Um, I help people rehabilitate slip discs and herniated discs when doctors and physios have not been able to help them. They've said, you have to have surgery. I've helped them heal. I'm just about giving back to humanity a slice of happiness and joy because that's what I got from this. And, you know, I just, just to finish up on it, so I'm not rambling, you know, you can sit and watch the most beautiful sunset in the world, but if you haven't got someone to share it with, it sort of loses its essence. You know, it's just like you might cry tears of happiness watching something, but having someone to share it with, that just makes it 10 times better. And all this joy that I got out of everything that I've been doing in terms of training, meditation, my spiritual journey, everything I've learned about getting on with people better and how to, you know, you can't control other people. You can only control yourself. So self-development. I just want to share this with everyone because it's made me a different person and it's made me much happier and uh, grounded in life. Solid, mate. Solid journey. And I agree with everything that you're saying. And it's very interesting just when you brought up at the beginning about the, um, about some of the, the blockages and obstacles that children run into in that you just, if you don't find an interest or your passion is stripped from you and you're just kept in line to focus on studying real left brain orientated, um, information, then it's not, it's not going to be for everyone. And if you looked on paper on your A levels, you got B, D, E, right. Was that it? Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's just because none of it was, was resonating with you, but then, yeah, you got given a chance. And then as soon as you found something that you really resonated with, you began to blossom. And it's just, it's just people trying to, it basically what that sort of shows is that everybody has their skills. Everybody has their um, talents and you just have to find a way to be able to allow them to communicate that to the world. And I found it really interesting what you were saying about the bees and how they, how they sort of communicate through geometry and that's that's how everything really is man it's the divine blueprint the sacred architecture behind reality and it's just yeah when we see it in the uh in the plant and animal kingdom we're like whoa really 
wow but we do it as well like we're we're just as connected and it's all all of that same shit is apparent in in the uh in the human analog just as it is throughout all of the different kingdoms in the world and yeah i i I love that shit and uh yeah i love i love what you're saying about your background in, in martial arts and really how you started to uh yeah you get into your different forms of training and then obviously you started going for your own sort of spiritual awakening which is yeah very very similar to my sort of background in in going through different modalities of training and the deeper you get into training the more in touch you get with your body the more you get more mindful and the more mindful you get the more you start to thin Mm -hmm. the veil and then as soon as the veil thins a whole new reality presents itself to you and yeah i went through my own initiations into what you could call the mysteries into the ancient wisdoms of uh the past and yeah, it's very interesting, dude. And um, so many paths that we could take in terms of where to take this conversation. Uh, I would really like to know more about how, kind of like what your bread and butter is right at the moment in terms of your sort of synchronization of like yogic practices, calisthenics, just overall physical optimization and then we'll start to tie in some of the more mental and spiritual aspects mm. as we go along it's quite hard for me to so, uh, um, separate them because i'm so uh holistic with it now but uh like you say there's that there's that trinity that exists the geometry of uh creation maintenance destruction you've got this trinity of uh, body mind and soul or spirit, whatever you want to call that thing, that the higher self, people can have lots of different names for it. But um, essentially, look, there's you have this vessel or vehicle that you carry around with you, and uh, when this thing is not functioning on your command and it's doing things it wants to do by itself, then it's not yours. It's, it's on autopilot and uh, that includes your hormones and your, and your emotions and the things that come along with your body. And these things can impact your life severely. And I think people that train and dedicate themselves to, or discipline themselves to follow a modality, after a while they thin the veil because what they gain is control over one aspect of their lives, which is the physical body. And, uh, after a certain level of competence in your physical body, uh, you start to realize that, you know, there's more to it than just, you know, doing a handstand and putting your arms above your head. There's a lot of mental concentration involved. And then after a while, you realize that what actually drives you to do anything is beyond all of that. It's actually a calling deep within your heart or your your spirit. And uh, it's not for everyone, you know. Not everyone wants to be a... Uh, uh, world-class or elite athlete, but everyone wants to feel competent. Nobody likes to feel weak. Nobody likes to feel incompetent. And um, training is about not about fitting into expectations of what your body should look like or being able to do things that impress people. Training is, for me at least, and the way I teach people, is about reconnecting with 
the vehicle that you are driving around and making sure you're respecting it because it's your temple. Essentially, you know, if you let it uh, deteriorate and you let it get stressed out and you let it run you around, that's exactly what it does. And then you'll realize soon enough afterwards that the mind's very much the same way. The Buddhists talk about the monkey mind. You know, they talk about this, this fact that, you know, you try and sit for one minute and just look at one thing and don't think about anything else but that thing. Your mind will wander. Most people's. And uh, it will wander to something that you did not ask it to wander to. And then I ask those people, so whose mind is it then? How is your own mind thinking about something that you are not intending to think about? That means it's not in your control. So if we can just bring these things that we've accumulated under our control, how much more intensity and satisfaction and capability we can get out of it is immense. And I think the easiest thing to get control over in the beginning is the body because it doesn't take that much um, mental or spiritual stimulation to make your hand move on demand. So to say to yourself, I'm going to lift my leg right now. Okay, I'm lifting it. That's not hard. But to say to your mind, don't think about anything else for a minute. That's very hard. That takes a lot more practice and patience. But so in my, in my view, working with your body is an, is a gateway to then working more closely with your mind and your spirit. Yeah, that's a perfect breakdown of it. And like, I literally have very, very, very similar, almost mirror um, image uh, of what, how I describe the body to on, to everyone on this show, to the people I meet. And it's very in alignment with, our ancient ancestors and their views on what the body is. And they encoded this shit. They encoded it into their ancient monuments, into their, into their temples, into their sacred texts. Like all of these ancient temples, if you look in the Vedic Valley, if you look at the temples built there, if you look at the pyramid, if you look at the ziggurats, if you look at the steep pyramids, they're all built in, to be the, the human body. They're, they're a macrocosmic or they're, they're a scaled version of the human body. And our body is a biological temple. It's, and you, once you understand that and it's, and how it operates under biochemical, bioelectrical, um, workings, you, you can learn how to, uh, really utilize it for what it is. And you got, and just as you wouldn't see any of the churches of the medi, of the Gothic medieval era to be in shit condition and just to be left like with no, with no attention given to it the same with the body it's got to be it's got to be fit and it's got to be clean and it's got to be uh, worthy of a source of god to manifest within it and by like you said uh body control working on the body at a foundational level is a good gateway to lead you to these yeah. higher possibilities such as working on the mind working on the spiritual level and that's yeah, it's very similar to to my sort of ethos and philosophy on with this, and um, that's really kind of what I was pushing with the Primal Alchemy brand is to try and find a way to get these complex um, sort of spiritual philosophies, kind of planting some seeds in people 
And the easiest way to do that is to do what people can relate to the easiest, which is health and fitness. Because it's, yeah, I mean, more and more people are getting interested in health and fitness and the health and fitness industry is evolving very quickly. It's gone it's gone from, well, 10 years ago, it was very bodybuilder-ish, then it started taking its route into the functional fitness realm. And then the functional fitness realm is starting to evolve into, yeah, like the calisthenic stuff, um, some more advanced functional fitness, like high-performance strength conditioning. There's a lot of uh, a lot of the mobility work that's that's starting to uh, push be pushed out now as well. And it just shows what the human body is capable of. And just as much as the human body is capable of, so there's so much more that it's still untapped and there's still much so much more that's still untapped yeah. in the mind and the spirit as well and uh I'm not, i mean yeah, just on that note um, i'm not i really did I'm love your too sure if i'm quite happy or in agreement with the direction that the health and fitness industry uh ever goes in because it's an industry and my, my issue with it is that yeah you know whatever whatever deep and intrinsic value there is in doing fitness and looking after your health, when industry gets a hold of it, it perverts it and it makes it something else and you lose the real essence of why to do it, you know? And, um, it's, you know, that's, that's this whole Instagram thing. Yeah. Like, and it don't do yoga cause you want to show, show off what poses you can do. Like who cares? Really? There's always someone better than you. Always. And even if you're the best, your body's going to get old and then you won't be the best. So it's like this whole uh, chasing uh, chasing levels and comparing yourself stuff gets on my nerves, you know, and falling out of love with social media because it is. I mean, I use it for my own reasons because, you know, it's basically my online CV of who I am because that's the way the world is at the moment. But, you know, to not be on it at all, I might as well just be a hippie and go and live in India. But at the same time, I have my, you know, my head in the heavens and my feet on the earth. So I have to play the game a bit and be on Instagram and, you know, use the hashtags and stuff, even though I can't be bothered to use hashtags. I know I have to use them to get seen because otherwise, who's going to be able to hear my message, you know, that I feel passionate about. And uh, yeah. I just wanted to actually, um, you know, Alan Watts, I love this guy. I just want to read you the yeah, short quote. Sure, man. He says, uh, you have inspiration, but then you have to have technique to incarnate or to express your inspiration. And that is to say, to bring a piece of heaven down to earth and to express heaven in terms of earth. And he says, of course, they are really one behind the scenes, but there's no way of pointing it out unless you do something skillful. So I feel like what he's trying to say is, look, everyone is inspired by certain things and everybody has an inner voice or an inner being. They want, they want to express something about how they feel, about how, you know, about the joy, joyfulness of what, what is possible and what they see and how they see things. And this can express itself as music in sound vibration or instruments can express itself in light in terms of art, painting and drawing, can express itself in terms of technology and inventions, or even just pure expression of movement of the physical body, you know? 
But um, the bottom line is you can do all those things as a hobby, but until you gain a certain amount of skill, you can't ever make that connection between heaven and earth with that thing. Because otherwise you're just, you know, dabbling in stuff. You're just trying to, it's almost like you're just trying to figure out uh, how it works. But once you, anyone will tell you, you know, you can take anything you want in this world and study it to immense depths. And you'll get to a point where when you've studied it enough and you become competent enough, you merge with it because it is you. It's still, all, it's all the same thing. And when you merge with something you play with enough, that's when it becomes, that's when you become skillful in it. And when other people see you pick up a ball and roll it all around your shoulders and your arms, or they see you move handstands to planche and use your body in a certain way, or they see you fluctuate your vocal cords to produce crazy, you know, inflections in sound. What you're seeing is the result of someone merging with, uh, with the thing they focused on for a long time. And then that's how they, that's how you sort of realize that it's almost, it's almost like that thing is part of them because they basically found God or the essence of spirit in the thing they've disciplined themselves to. Yeah, for sure. I really, uh, really love that, uh, that analogy then that you used and it's, it's so true and it's, um, it's something, it's a, it's one of those things that we normally know what we're drawn to, that we we know when we're kids what our kind of path is but we just get caught up in the programming and the conditioning that we kind of lose not lose interest in it but we lose um we lose we lose attachment to it and if if you can if you can learn to reconnect with your sort of a, your inner child and is say follow your bliss as uh, Joseph Campbell would say then you initiate your own hero's journey and it's the hero's journey that leads to the self-actualization process which is going to be your awakening and but in order to do that you need to you need to know you need to follow yeah follow your passion and do what you do do, do what you do when you uh when you're a kid like what did you enjoy when you were a kid did you enjoy doing physical shit did you enjoy mm-hmm. Did you enjoy doing creative shit? Did you enjoy singing? Did you enjoy dancing? Like, what did you enjoy? And normally, it's all there. It's all there right in front of you. That's all you needed to know. And if you kind of pursue it, and you pursue it with um, ah, determination, persistency, consistency, and you don't give up, then yeah, like you said, you begin to emerge with the uh, with the discipline, with the act itself. And you show acts of mastery and when you hit those states that's when you can uh like you said bridge the the earth and the heavens that's when you uh become in in the moment a living god where you can transmute or you can sort of um yeah pull in these sort of heavenly heavenly powers into the moment uh whatever craft it is that you're uh, acting upon and yeah, you can see it. You can see it a lot, dude. You can see it with people like you, people like yourself. Like you said, when you're going from a handstand to a planche and just doing like more so physical mastery. And then you can see the same with a composer or an orchestra that are just in flow and they're just like absolutely smashing it in, um, 
just complete improvisation, but they're just going off. They all just in com- completely yeah. l- locked in, dialed in to the rhythm, to the, to the, to the, like to what they're creating. And yeah, to an artist that's just there, just creating there's it's, and it's beautiful to watch. And that's something that I love to be around is to be around people that have dedicated their life to a craft and it doesn't have to be anything that would be of interest to me normally. It's when you see them in person performing their craft in, and you can appreciate the mastery, no matter if you if you would normally find it interesting or boring. And uh, yeah, there's something about it. I think humans are attracted to that state of performance, that state of being, because we can we know we've got it inside ourselves, but not it's everyone not isn't? everyone has the courage to pursue it. Yeah. And uh, obviously there's like, well, there's ways of inducing flow state quicker than that. But yeah, it's, it's, um, that's kind of what we're after is to find our flow, to find, to find that state of um, consciousness where we become one with the task at hand. And that's where the magic happens. That's where we can perform magic. And that's where the sort of um, frame of mind that the magicians of old used to be in, the yogis of old, of even today the monks up in Tibet or wherever it may be in the world where you've got a, a holy man that's practicing these sort of um, practicing these acts, they can, uh, yeah, they access this state of mind and then it just gives them what we would class as superpowers. And it's, uh, yeah, it's something that I've pursued for a long time to pursue that state of consciousness, to pursue the art, of that state of consciousness in terms of understanding it. And you can't always just understand it unless you've experienced it. So I've followed my own passions in this life in order to be able to experience it and then to be able to see it in other people and then to be able to pull it out of other people to, to kind of encourage them, to train them, to, yeah, to, to push, to be the, their, their sort of hand they may need in order to help them through the trials and tribulations that they have to go through in order to reach these states. And it's always good to connect with others that are, that are similar minded on this, on this, um, yeah, totally. way of thinking. So, um, yeah, Ricky, I want to sort of guide this conversation more in towards, uh, some more fitness stuff like I love all the spiritual stuff and I love going deep but I also want to I also want to get your rundown on just not so much the philosophy of what's going on within the health and fitness industry at the moment because as always where the UK is fucking miles behind the states and the states is always behind in terms of where we should be so we're slacking but it takes a few wise individuals to really fly their own flag and not follow the trends to see where our potential lies and I'd like to know what your sort of um, idea is on creating the ultimate self physically and what sort of training methodologies and modalities you would um suggest for someone who's listening to this and is interested in pursuing these higher states of 
physical potential what would you suggest to them and why like what sort of styles of training what should they be looking at should it be should it be weight training should it be functional based uh, functional based tra- uh, training should it be mobility based training should it be flexibility should it be yoga should it be calisthenics body weight like you could pretty much uh a lot of a lot you're of gonna, uh, you're gonna find it hard to best this not one. to get a philosophical answer out of me for any of this <laughs> <laughs> well you can you can go philosophical and everything yeah. man i just wanted to get a little bit of training in there as Look, well pe- people should train in things that they enjoy but there's different there's different kinds of enjoyment there's enjoyment of something because you perceive uh, an external reward in terms of recognition or you know it could even be ego driven whatever it is and then there's just um, there's just self satisfaction in terms of self development and feeling good about what 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 you can do. I and like I said, I used to do martial arts for a long time. The only way you can measure your competence in martial arts is there's two ways really. One is to be graded by someone in, in authority, so you get a belt or you get a certain level awarded to you. In the in the grand scheme of things, this doesn't matter because somebody else from another school or another art will come and challenge you anyway and say your belt means nothing. Then you've also got the method of fighting other people in order to test your own strengths against theirs. And there's something about having to test myself against someone else in order to feel self-validation that I don't like. I should be able to validate myself from becoming better than I was yesterday and not having to have to test that on someone else. And that's why I was drawn to calisthenics and yoga and those kinds of things. And um, I would say yoga is one of those things that has far more benefits than just physical. And uh, yoga was not actually intended to even be a fit, an art of physical development. It's not actually uh, very beneficial to sport at all. It will loosen you up. doesn't give you active mobility. gives you more passive flexibility in most cases. gives you good neurological control over your postures. But if those postures don't match your function or your sport, they're useless. So yoga was really to keep the body at ease, to help it remove uh, tension and keep the distraction of the body away from the mind in meditation so that you could sit for a long time without being distracted. That was the real main purpose of it initially. Now people are doing yogas as if it's something that makes you an athlete. No, it's a tool. It's a science. It's the science, well, the, you know, it's the science of the maintenance and the frequency raising of the human body. But it's not an athletic development tool. There are, there are more specific and functional, functionally related uh, modalities, like gymnastic stretching and mobility routines. They're more useful and they're different. And yoga is more about internal flow and self-energy management and uh, feeling at ease in the body. But like I said, it's a tool. They don't do any pulling in yoga. 
You know, this proves it. They don't do pulling. So how can it be a complete system for athletic development? Impossible. Because it neglects one of the biggest aspects of what you need for athletics, pulling. So it's not, it's not that. It's a tool to help you along your way in many different ways. And for me, it's a foundation of reconnecting with the human body, which everybody should do to some degree. Doesn't mean everybody should be doing king pigeons. But it does mean that there are certain fundamental postures that we should work ourselves through every day just to make sure we don't lose our innate given ability as babies, like deep squats, you know, flexion, extension in the hips, good shoulder mobility, good spinal mobility. So, you know, you, you practice these things in the knowledge that uh, they're going to keep your body at a certain level of maintenance and also your internal flow and energy management. And then you've got things like calisthenics, you know, weight training, whatever. Again, they're just modalities to prepare you for higher levels of athletic performance. But there's no compulsion in any of these things, you know. So someone wants to do ballet, you don't need to do calisthenics. Do ballet. Do whatever you want to do that gives you some sense of fulfillment. But at the same time, you've got to have reasons for doing it that are beyond the ego. You can't just want to do ballet so that you can show everybody that you can do the splits. Like you, you want to do ballet because it appeals to something in you. You love the way you move when you do those movements. It makes you feel like you're connecting with source. And that's all that yoga actually means. It means union and connection with source. And so you've got the yoga of the Bhagavad Gita. You've got Dharma yoga, which is living righteously. All these different types of yoga. Yoga is anything you do which connects you with source. And so I would encourage people to find their yoga. And you can call it calisthenics, martial arts, you can call it what you want. As long as it's connecting you with source, it can't be a bad thing because when you connect with source, you start to get some real answers in your life and things start to change for the better. Then there's also the therapy aspect of yoga in terms of re removing and releasing subconscious trauma in the body, you know, in terms of uh, being the yin to the yang of uh, active training. So calisthenics is all tension. Like, you can be doing the hardest move known to man, completely tense in your whole body, and you might achieve a slice of heaven in that moment. But at the same time, this is going to take its toll on your body. You've got to, do, you've got to have a yin practice which can balance that out. If you've ever watched um, this, this cool movie, I'm a bit of a, I like Japanese stuff, like anime and, you know, Street Fighter and stuff like that from when I was young. There's a Street Fighter movie, and not the cartoon one, it's a, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know what the word is, you know, CGI and uh, recorded film one. Uh, I think it's called Assassin's Fist, that's what it's called. And, uh, in there, there's a, there's two ways that they can produce that Hadouken that they do. You know, that fireball. The one is when they do it with 
sort of circular, calm yeah, yeah, yeah. breathing movements and sort of merging with the air and, uh, you know, in a meditative state. And the other is to cultivate something they call uh, Satsui no Hadu, which is murderous in, uh, surge of murderous intent. So in, essentially to make yourself as angry as possible so that you can produce this massive force of energy. Right? And both ways can yield a Hadouken. And they're two different paths. And uh, the first person to discover to be able to do this Hadouken he discovered to do it with the rage way, right? And then uh, what what he used to teach his disciples was, you train with absolute rage and murderous intent. You you train to kill your opponent and strike him down with all the rage you have. But you must balance this training with meditation because otherwise it will consume you and you'll turn into a demon. That's what he used to preach. And uh, one of his sons uh, didn't like the fact that he wouldn't teach him everything. And the reason he wouldn't teach him everything was because he could see that his son had too much rage in him and wasn't meditating enough. So he didn't want to teach him the rest of the techniques because he thought he'd consume himself with hate and lose himself in hate. So that son went off and learned it by himself with hate and he became very, 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 very powerful. And that guy became Akuma. You know, Akuma. There you go. So he became a queen. Yeah, man. I, I'm pretty familiar well, with that. Uh, I mean, that's it. It's so actually it's the interesting. Other, the other I do love it. Side of the character. So you've got Ryu down. and the person that taught him, I can't remember his name and whatever else, they learned to do it through a more peaceful breathing, connecting with nature and your surroundings kind of methodology. So they actually managed to produce the same kind of power, but without causing all this damage to the body and emotional, you know, damage and uh, tension and uh you know what akuma actually did to gain the ultimate techniques was he meditated with so much hate in his system that he he aimed to uh meet with hate itself and dominate it so that he could actually almost become like a god in that sense so he wanted to master hate so much that He'd take all the hate there was into him and he'd control it. But, you know, this is this is almost a foolish thing to believe you can do, to think you can take all of the aggression and anger and hate anyone has and control it. It's a very, very difficult thing to do. And most people would not be capable of this. So it's like I'm saying, you can put all this aggression and self-interest and, uh, you know, ego-driven uh, drive into whatever you're doing because you want it so much. I really want to do it. I will do it no matter what anybody tells me. You can have that attitude or you can be in flow state where you're like, you know, this just resonates with me. I feel it. I feel it inside me. And when I'm moving, I'm patient. I will let it come of its own accord. And when it comes, it will become part of me and I'll merge with it. I don't need to dominate it. And, you know, it just, it will be part of me. It will be part of me. And maybe it's something that's always in me. I just have to find it. And uh, actually, that leads me to, I really wanted to say this from the beginning, actually. Again, like I said, it's philosophical, but it's short. It's just like a little um, Hindu mytholo mythological story. So they say that um, all the gods got together in dismay 
uh, what humans were doing with the God ability. So, you know, humans used to have much more abilities than we have now, some, some more God-like powers. And all these higher gods were communing and saying, look at these guys. You give them all this power and look what they do with it. They destroy the planet. They hate each other. They build weapons to fight each other. Look what they do with the power we gave them, with the intelligence, with all these things. So then they all decided we're going to take that away from them. We're going to take their divinity away and leave them as primitives to just walk around like animals. And they said, we'll take this and where should we hide it? Then one of the gods said, oh, I'm, I'm the Lord of the sky. Hide it in the sky with me. They'll never find it. And someone else piped up and said, no, no, no. They will learn to fly eventually. They will find it. So another one said, yeah, I'm, I'm the king of the sea. I'm the lord of the sea. Give it to me. I will hide it at the bottom of the deepest ocean. And then they said, no, no, no. They'll swim. They will dive. They will find it eventually. Last one said, I have dominion over all of the earth and all of the planets. Give it to me. I'll put it at the top of the highest mountain or inside the hottest volcano. They'll never find it. They said, they will. They'll find it. They'll find it. So they said, well, where the hell are we going to put this thing? No matter where we put it, they're going to find it. So they went away and thought about it. Next day, they all come back. And the head of the group said, I know what we're going to do with it. I'm going to put it. He said, uh, humans, they will scour the earth. They will scour space, the sky. They will completely forever expand and try to dominate the universe and search throughout the whole universe. I will put it where they will never think to look for it inside of them. And that was just a really profound thing to me, that everything you ever needed is already inside you. And if you, you right now you can't hear that voice because you're so fo focused on finding it somewhere else. You think that a piece of you that is missing exists somewhere else and you will search your whole life for that thing. But when you realize it's already in you, then you realize the only journey you need to take is into yourself. And when you take that journey, that's when all the answers come, like I said. Yeah, I, I love it, man. And it it echoes very well, the as above, so below. It's like every, all of the myths of old can be, although I think, me personally, I think they have a literal basis, but also metaphorically for the for the forces that go on in the internal body in terms of being able to find this higher God source within. And it's interesting, man, because like you said about uh, the time on Earth when humans had godlike powers and the gods were pissed with them, so they had to be punished. I I believe that to be about 12,000 years ago when at the end of the last ice age when we uh you can call it Atlantis whatever you want to call it the our our real ancestors were wiped from this earth because they had angered the gods for their abuse of their godlike powers and then we got a reset rebooted and uh though the survivors went on to found the well the survivors who went east went on to found Sumeria, Egypt, the Vedic Valleys, the ones who went west went on to found the North America, the, the Americas, the Mesoamericans, the American continent that's what massively misunderstood. There's so much history within North America that's 
nowhere near that's just nowhere near understood and it's got so much to be unearthed under the uh some great sites that are still underground that have yet to have any inclination that they're there but uh yeah we we have we we where our origins are not what we have been led to believe we are the descendants of the gods and we have the godlike powers and like you said where better to uh, store these god powers, the source of this power, than within you? If we're because they, you know, they knew. They're like, well, we know, we know the cycles of the universe. We know the cycles of the universal consciousness. How it, how it flows. How it, how it goes up and down. We have our sort of circadian rhythms. We have our upper. We have our scaled uh, seasons of the earth, and we have our scaled galactic seasons the procession of the equinox and how our consciousness rises and falls and they knew that we were going to be become very materialistic we were going to fall into the age of materialism and we were going to we would it would be hard to find these sort of uh powers but for the few that were ready for the initiates for those that could see or those that were willing to see they would look inside and they would find this power. And once they find this power, that's the age old saying of all the ancient religions of all the, the real teaching. The true teaching is save yourself, save the world. There is no one coming to save you there. You are the hero of your own journey. You are the savior of your, uh, of your soul. And just depends how much you're willing to uh, did, pursue I, that I, in I your life. This, because sorry to just interrupt. Uh, I just saw this. That's what this uh, life's about. It's about. I can't remember uh, where I saw it. I've <laughs> read and watched so many damn yeah, things on. over 20 years. I don't even know where I saw it. But it just said, essentially, look, we're in a state where we have, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, we have um, uh, external control and internal anarchy. And this meaning that we have given all of our responsibility of control to the government, the police, and all these people. They will control society. And then we have internal anarchy. And by anarchy, I mean just complete freedom of chaos to, do, to, to allow whatever happens to happen. Internal anarchy, where we just don't know what's going on inside ourselves. But the actual state to be uh, conducive to peace and loving and a better kind of environment should be the opposite. We should have complete internal control. And only then can you have external anarchy. Because you can't have complete freedom on the outside unless everybody is controlling themselves. But right now, nobody's in control of themselves. They've all given it over to the authorities and the establishments. They will control the criminals, you know, this and this. Nobody's thought that humanity must take responsibility for its own peace and development, you know? So if we focused more on helping people understand how to become more in touch with themselves and control themselves, there would be no need for rules. You know, there's only rules that need to be enforced because people are in anarchy in themselves. And it's just a complete reversal of how it should be really so it's like it's a very difficult time we live in but as i said you know forces like you said there are forces that are much bigger than us like processions of equinoxes you know the moving of pluto past scorpio and all these kinds of things like there's awakenings happening that we were not we can't even control if we didn't wanted them to 
you know like consciousness will rise in cycles as it as it does and hopefully it will rise to a state where we can fix the problems we've created for ourselves before we destroy ourselves that's the bottom line i mean and you can you know you can only change that from the perspective of who you live around and who you can impact with your own light you can be an activist all you want you can be a politician but at the end of the day you touch the hearts of the people that you come into contact with in your life and if you can make a good change with them then you're on the way but at the same time there are bigger forces than even us acting on this and uh at the end of the day they will decide and judge our fate because if we don't fix up in time they'll either make us fix up in time because that's what was meant to be or they'll destroy us because that's what we led ourselves to and so i don't really get too uh you know i've read so much conspiracy stuff over the time and whatever try not to get too hung up on it anymore i'm like look there's too much the matrix is so deep and embedded the simulation the frequencies they're bombarding us with you can't change this it's far too deep you can only change things from a local perspective or from the amount of people you can touch with your own words and your heart you know and if everybody takes that responsibility on themselves you'd have a quicker change than trying to change policy yeah You still there? Oh shit, man! Sorry, I just cut out a little bit. Yeah, solid, man. S- solid with that. Uh, with that breakdown, and it's so true. It's like that's what you got to do. It's like dropping a, a rock into a pond, and you create that ripple effect. And that's what you got to do with the with the people you come in contact with. And you gotta you gotta plant the seeds in them to go through their own journey, and then they will do the same to their to whoever they meet, and so on and so on. And it's like it's it's the way that we've been sort of programmed to think how the world's going to change is not it's like you said it's a very localized um very localized task at hand and you can only do your own personal work and the people around you and affect the people around you and eventually changes will be made and uh yeah like you said man we're so deeply ingrained within the matrix the uh this sort of spiritual reality game that we're uh, sort of our consciousness is linked into this avatar body that we're we're sort of playing the game on, on god mode <laughs> and that we've forgotten that we are the god so much um so much deep shit that's a lot for people to take in they're just like what the fuck man it's like shit i just want to sort of watch love island and maybe watch some por- my yeah just two years watch ago. love island watch some porn tonight and porn. jesus man i got work tomorrow at night. i mean i've got guilty pleasures hell. like game, but, uh, game of thrones i love that but like you know good man just captures my attention good, but, good job you know, i think you like, know I, what i like about well if there was a theme at all yeah. for this conversation or some not a conclusion but a kind of uh point we always come back to it starts with the self. And that's what I preach, you know, no matter what modality I preach of what people mm-hmm. can do to improve their yeah. lives, body, mind, spirit, true. it starts with the self. You've got to be pouring from a full cup. And um, actually, I'd just mm-hmm. like to mention uh, a few of my biggest inspirations for people to read uh, in case they're interested in 
how I come up with this kind of stuff because, I mean, no knowledge is mine, you know. It was given to me or I, I took it from somewhere, just re rearranging stuff in my mind and regurgitating or paraphrasing or quoting, you know. This all comes from learning from other people and that's how we evolve as a society. Uh, I saved the best till last. The first would be uh, Carl Jung or Jung or Jung, however you pronounce it, pronounce it, the psychiatrist. Uh, he wrote something mm -hmm. called the Eight Circuits of Consciousness. So he talks about how we were imprinted with certain uh, ways of thinking and how these subconsciously affect all of our thinking as adults and that you can rewire them. There are methods uh, such as meditation and spiritual methods to do it. And there are also certain uh, drugs that uh, push the response, such as mushrooms, acid, and these types of things. Not condoning or not or uncondoning any of them. I have no judgment against them. But it's very interesting to learn about that because essentially we're wired a certain way because of the way we're brought up. And uh, we either live with that wiring or we or we realize something above it and we rewire ourselves to see the bigger picture. And then you've got good old uh, Alan Watts, British uh, philosopher and philanthropist and uh, mystic, probably lived in the East for probably a good 40 years or something. I think he died not too long ago. Absolute legend. Watch a video of his on YouTube called Who Am I? It will blow your mind. Uh, third one, a guy called Sadguru, S-A-D-H, Guru, uh, likes to talk about Hinduism and that kind of stuff a lot, but he's not so such a religious man in a sense that he'd put you off if you were aligned to any other religion. He just speaks so much logic. And from the way he says it, he hardly brings religion into it, but sometimes he does. But, you know, he's, he speaks so much logic. He's, he, he helped me through a lot of the bad times. You know, I would, if I was feeling really bad, I'd just listen to him. He picked me up. And then, like I said, best till last, mm. I can't leave this out. It's got to be the Bhagavad Gita. If you have any questions about your existence or the existence of what is happening, or why it's happening, or how, how it should be, or how you should be. Any questions? This book is so long, it's longer than the Iliad by Homer. It's incredible. And it was written probably 7,000 years ago, something like that, maybe less, 5,000, in Sanskrit, in, in rhyme, in song. And it's, it's some of the most profound and incredible stuff I have ever read. And it will remain my favorite read for the rest of my life until something else challenges it. But, you know, I've read a lot of stuff and I don't think anything will because that stuff just, it just completely blew my mind. So, you know, if you're interested in any, any of the stuff I've said today, look into those four people or those four books or those four things. They'll change your life forever. Yeah, they're definitely uh definitely some deep individuals that you uh referenced there, Ricky. They're uh rabbit holes within themselves and they lead down many paths and uh revelations as you get into their work. And uh yeah, the, I'm not familiar with the third one that you said, but yeah, 
yeah but every every all the others i've uh i have yeah i've spent a few uh a few nights deep down um deep down in the research of these characters and their in their experiences and how they become who they were and yeah what shaped them in and created and yeah and just really what was their uh what was their own hero's journey because that's what i'm fascinated by i'm fascinated by journeys and hero's journey in particular and that's an important one for me and uh yeah i guess we're beginning to tie this one in a bit now ricky it's uh it's been great talking to you dude it's very very uh I can see that there are levels to your deepness, which is good, man. It's, I really like it. And I'm sure that if me and you are to meet in person one day, I'm sure we will definitely uh, resonate on a level that's a little bit deeper than just a physical um, meeting because we both have very similar thoughts. And I think our level of consciousness is very similar as well in the way that we look at the world. So it's... um yeah, really did enjoy talking to you today, man. And for everyone that's enjoyed today's talk and they liked what you've had to say and they want to learn a little bit more about you, I mean, we've just scratched the surface of what you're about. Like, we've just talked very philosophically, very very spiritual today. Um, you can go levels deep on a lot of shit. And, uh, yeah, um, where can they find you if they want to start to see well, like, like a bit of a fuller picture whole... of what uh, Ricky Warren's about? Uh pressure to be on social media and whatever i mean people ask me if i'm on youtube and all this stuff i'm not on i'm not on any of it i'm just on instagram uh and that's for the reasons of having something that people can find me on and literally it's just it's just a wall of what i want to put out to the world whatever i'm going to put out it's going to be on there but the good thing about that is that you can contact me on there through dms you can comment on my stuff you can read what i have to say i mean i, I only mostly put stuff up there about uh, developing the physical self because for me it's part of my work and what I do but I'm always open to you know you'll see snippets of me going into rants on stuff and stuff we've spoken about today especially in my stories because the stories are impermanent so I like to just throw stuff up there when I just feel to so if you want to follow me on Instagram that's Rick's official it's R-I-X dot official otherwise my website mm-hmm. where I offer my workshops and coaching is uh, bodyweightgurus.com and apart from that really uh, that's the only way you'll get hold of me you know <laughs> otherwise I'm um, hiding somewhere reading some books or training <laughs> fair enough man yeah it's fair man streamline that process and uh, make it easy for yourself don't spread yourself too thin on that one and it's uh yeah really did enjoy it today ricky and hopefully every guys hopefully you've enjoyed it as well let's uh let's call this one a night then on episode 30 of the red pill initiation hour guys as always stay woke as fuck keep fighting the good fight shine the light and i'll catch you next time